Fed Chairman Jerome Powell seems absolutely hell-bent on crashing the U.S. economy and sending the entire world into another global depression. People are literally robbing banks in Lebanon just to get their own life savings out. And yet another one of Adam Meister's predictions comes true. This and more on today's episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. You sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022, and that means today is DCA Wednesday. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today, not the least of which is all of the market's reactions to the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates another 75 basis points. That's 0.75% or three quarters of a percent. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with what a basis point is. Uh, but before we get into all of that, let's take a real quick look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, we are sitting at a block height of 755136 And Bitcoin is currently priced, well, it's on sale. Bitcoin is currently priced at $18,470 US dollars or 5,414 sats per cuck buck. That is going to be the cheapest that we have ever added to our DCA stack, unless, of course, it bounces back up while I'm talking. But either way, if you make that stack like right now or sooner rather than later, you're going to be stacking cheaper than we have at any point during this uh, little over one year journey that we started all the way back on July, 20, uh, July 28th of 2021. If you value your wealth in Bitcoin, gold got a little bit more expensive. It'll currently cost you 11.1 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin. And if you value your wealth in oil, one barrel of oil is going to uh, cost you 487,855 sats. Or in other words, it will cost you 204.97 barrels of oil to purchase just one Bitcoin. And Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,107 Papa John's pizzas. That is still an awful lot of pizza for just one Bitcoin, despite the fact that Bitcoin is down in U.S. dollar terms uh, quite significantly today. That metric that some of you follow and others think is kind of no big deal, uh, Bitcoin's market capitalization is down by almost $34 billion since last Wednesday, with a current market cap of $353.8 billion. And the mempool, wow, it's a lot more clogged up than it was last Wednesday with 10 blocks of worth of uh, transactions currently pending in my mempool, according to uh, Mempool Explorer on my Umbral node. However, that being said, the fee estimator is still saying that one SAT per byte transactions will still clear within a day. Um, but again, probably not within the next couple of blocks since there's already 10 blocks worth of transactions waiting in line. 
Uh, and that being said, as well, the fee estimator is still saying that 13 sats per byte will guarantee you a spot in the next block. That's ex exactly the same uh, fee that it was estimating last Wednesday, despite the fact the mempool is relatively clear. Uh, what were there, one or two blocks with the transactions pending at the time we recorded last Wednesday? I think it was two blocks worth of transactions, or just under two blocks anyway. That transaction, the statistic that you... Uh, that statistic that you know I like to follow, the 24-hour transaction rate, is down quite a bit from last week. It's just barely above that three transaction per second rate that I like to see Bitcoin maintaining at a rate of 3.06 transactions per second on average during the last 24 hours. Um, usually I like to see it above 3.14. I like to remember that because it's, you know, it's pi 3.14. Uh, and usually anytime it's above 3.14, at least... Every episode we have done where it has been above 3.14, the price of Bitcoin has been going up. And when it was under that, the price had been going down. And the price is going down, at least it is at the moment. We are about five days away from the next Bitcoin mining difficulty adjustment. Uh, just under six days, that is. It's currently 864 blocks away. That should be sometime around September 27th. And depending on where you get your information, that's looking to be a decrease in mining difficulty of between about 0.85% to 1.1%. So somewhere about a 1% difficulty decrease in the difficulty that it takes to mine a new block. And that is because during the last epoch, it has been blocks have been uh, coming in on an average. Blocks have currently been averaging 10 minutes and 6 seconds between blocks being found. Obviously, that is an average time. There have been a few blocks out there that were well over an hour and other blocks that have come in in just a matter of seconds. But again, if you're familiar, the Bitcoin protocol is designed to target an average of 10-minute block times. And in order to do that, it adjusts the difficulty that it takes to, uh, the difficulty that it, how difficult it is to, to find a new block, to mine a new block. Every 2016 blocks, and we are well over halfway there to the next difficulty adjustment. That is approximately every two weeks, but it's uh, Bitcoin doesn't work in uh, man time, in human time. Bitcoin works in block time. And that is uh, 2016 blocks, just like the halving, is not really every four years, um, but it works out to about four years. All right. Uh, real quick before we get into it, I want to thank those of you who have been listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain App and Breeze Wallet. Uh, nobody sent us any boostergrams this week, there, so there's no boosts to read. But for those of you who are listening, for those of you supporting us by streaming us thats, thank you for doing so. And again, if you um, do want to send us a boostergram, we will read that on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bowlin podcast, providing it is kosher, that there's nothing obscene or it's not a shill. We're not going to read a commercial, but you know, if you want to send us a shout out, let us know what you think, or just say hi. Uh, we will read that on the following episode, the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. All right. So where to begin? The big news, pretty much in Bitcoin, and the big news uh, in every news cycle today is that the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee raised interest rates another seventy-five basis points again today which was exactly as expected. Although after last week, you remember the CPI came in higher than expected at 8.3%. I believe it was expected to come in at 8.1%, something along those lines. 
and the 8.3% pretty much shocked everyone into thinking that there was no way that the Fed would be lowering rates or slowing the growth of rates. Obviously, not. I don't think anyone thought they would lower rates, but maybe there might have been a few people who thought maybe they would only raise rates by 50 basis points. Uh, and well, that uh, inflation print coming in hot um, pretty much solidified that it was going to be a minimum of 75 basis points, with some people thinking that a full 1% rate increase was on the table. And I think probably the fact that it came in at 75 basis points was why you didn't see any of the markets initially tank. In fact, a friend of mine texted me uh, I was out on the road this afternoon. And uh, don't worry, my phone will read me my texts. In fact, it reads them over my car stereo. And uh, it said something along the lines of, wow, the Fed just raised rates another 75 basis points and the markets didn't tank. And that's probably because pretty much 75 basis points was uh, priced in. And the fact that some people were expecting a full 1% increase meant that there was some relief out there. So it made sense that markets didn't crash right away, but boy, did that news uh, turn out to be uh, a little too soon because uh, while the price initially held steady, eventually the markets came crashing down, not as hard as we saw them fall last week when CPI came in at 8.3, but the Dow closed 1.7%, S&P fell down by 1.71%, and the NASDAQ fell by another 1.79% today. Um, so eventually people got the news, um, that, Hey, you know, the fed is basically hell bent on taming inflation. And the only way they can tame inflation is by basically causing a recession or worse. You know, they're trying to reduce demand by basically putting people out of work by making it more expensive for businesses to borrow money by making money more expensive. Fewer businesses are going to be doing expansions. So it will slow down the rate of job growth. It'll actually put people out of business. Um, and that is how they intend to get inflation under control. Of course, if you know anything about Bitcoin and sound money, you know this is all BS anyway, that the only way to get inflation under control is basically for the governments to stop debasing their currencies. And they are printing like crazy still. So, um, you know, we're going to have to deal with this dog and pony show until government either inflates the money into hyperinflation and the you know the 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 genie's just completely out of the bottle and the and 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 you know the the jig is up or until we get you know some fiscal sanity restored to the governments of the world which i'm not super optimistic on but hey this isn't a gloom and doom podcast and remember bitcoin fixes this in the long run this is all good for bitcoin and the fact that Bitcoin is down right now means it is on sale. It means every U.S. dollar that you burn and convert into BTC is going to get you more sats than it would have uh, at a higher rate. So um, you should be thanking your lucky stars that you still have time. We are still early. All right. So as I said, initially markets reacted, well, flat with headlines in Time magazine, for example, with a headline saying, a nothing burger. Why Bitcoin and Ethereum prices barely moved following the latest Fed rate hike. And the street.com reporting, Bitcoin rises after Fed rate hike. <laughs> Oops, that didn't work out uh, in the long term, did it? All right. And speaking of things coming eerily, un eerily true, uh, Adam Meister, as you recall, I don't know, it seems like it must have been a year ago, Back when, back before we even really officially had inflation, he coined the term happyflation, saying that not only was inflation coming, but you wait 
uh, the government and the and the and the media that does their bidding for them will eventually be be calling it happyflation that you should be dancing in the streets doing the happy happy joy joy dance because inflation is good for you and he has once again been proven true uh pointing out that uh the uh that Fortune magazine, for example, posted the headline, Why You Should Be Happy About Inflation and Worried About Something Else, with Adam, Adam, Oyster, Adam Meister pointing out, I am having a hard time talking right now. <laughs> um, I do apologize for stumbling on half the words I've tried to say today, but where was I? Adam Meister pointing out that this was a, quote, an in-your-face happyflation propaganda headline. Bitcoin has always been the answer. So once again, if you don't follow Adam Meister, he is at TechBalt on Twitter. Tech like technology, Balt like Baltimore, where he's originally from, at TechBalt on Twitter. And Adam, you were amazing. And of course, once again, you saw it coming. All right. Uh, also in the in the news out there, as far as the sky is falling in currency and fiat, as far as fiat currency is concerned, uh, we'd been reporting... Well, people have been reporting all week that there have been bank runs in Lebanon. As you know, that Lebanon has imposed currency controls, trying to prevent people from fleeing the lira, uh, limiting the amount of money they can take out of their accounts. And this has led to a tremendous amount of unrest. Well, it is official. Lebanon's banks will remain shut indefinitely. According to Reuters, Lebanon's banks will remain shut indefinitely, the company's banking association said in a statement on Wednesday. Basically, people have been robbing banks just to get their own money out. In one case, for example, as Business Insider reported, quote, a woman held a bank in Lebanon hostage to take money out of her savings account to pay for her sister's cancer treatment. And this is how disgusting uh, it gets, how desperate it gets when a government debases its currency and it's uh, and the currency starts losing value, and then they impose all these currency controls to try and keep people from fleeing the currency, to try and prop up artificially as long as they can the value of their currency. The article continues, quote, she said she had visited the bank manager a few days before the holdup and begged the branch manager to let her withdraw her funds. She was told she could only withdraw $200 a month. Well, $200 a month might go a little bit farther in Lebanon than it does in other more expensive places around the world, but it certainly isn't going to pay for anyone's cancer treatment, and that is just pathetic that people are having to rob the bank just to get their own money out. And if you don't think that can't happen here, uh, well, you know, the dollar milkshake theory, theory says it'll happen in the United States last, but that doesn't mean it won't happen here eventually. And again, Bitcoin fixes this. This is not meant to be doom and gloom. This means that, um, I'm just pointing this out, I'm just highlighting this to say why a money that can't be confiscated or controlled is so important. If the United States ends up going down that central bank digital currency uh, path, then, you know, it, this would be super easy. The, the woman that wouldn't have even been able to rob the bank to get her money out because the government could have just programmed it to say, sorry, that money doesn't move. You can't spend it. There is no robbing a bank to get paper banknotes out once we've gone down the CB, CBDC route. All right. Also in the, well, gloom and doom, if you're an ETH head, an F head, uh, Gary Gensler, the chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, basically said that, uh, or has reported that he said earlier this week that due to the Ethereum move to proof of stake for proof of work, it is officially now a security it looks like maybe the gloves are coming off. He added that all of Ethereum now falls under the SEC's jurisdiction. 
Uh, if you recall, the Supreme Court in 1946 established what's called the Howey test. And the Howey test is a four-pronged test to determine if something's a security. And the Howey test basically says that anytime something is an investment of money and where there's an expectation of profits from the investment and the investment of money is in a common enterprise and that any profit comes from the effort, efforts of others or the or efforts of a proto or a third party, that that instrument is a security. And, you know, with Bitcoin, there is no, there is no third party. You know, we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Uh, it's distributed. It's, uh, you know, even the, the miners don't control it. All they do is, you know, is, is find new blocks and validate blocks. Um, nobody's asking you to buy anything. Uh, you know, with Ethereum, it was pre-mined. They had investors and they sold tokens. Uh, there's with staking, there's most certainly an expectation of profits. You know, they're promising to pay you a percentage and in interest for staking your ETH. Uh, and there's certainly a common enterprise. There's an Ethereum foundation for crying out loud. And the profits most certainly come from the efforts of another. You you lock up your, your ETH, they do whatever they do with it, and uh, then pay you an interest. So Securities and Exchange Commission says that makes it a security. In all reality, most people think that Ethereum was basically a security even before it moved to proof of stake, certainly by virtue of the fact that there's a foundation, that it has figureheads and controllers. But um, the idea was it was so big, it was kind of like too big to fail. There was enough Americans with money tied up into it, some of them important enough, that the SEC was never going to go after Ethereum because, you know, they didn't want to rock that boat. It was uh, basically going to be grandfathered as a non-security, but apparently they may have shot themselves in the foot. Uh, and if they declare Ethereum an unregistered security, guess what that means? It means it's illegal to list it or trade it. All those exchanges like Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken would be breaking the law by allowing you to hold or trade Ethereum on their platforms. And pretty much every other POS coin, especially since half of them are, exist on Ethereum uh, anyway. So, well, there you have it. Another thing that Bitcoin fixes uh, I think nobody nobody has made an argument that Ethereum is a commodity, and I believe Gary Gensler specifically has said. I mean, excuse me, that Bitcoin is a Bitcoin. Nobody has made an argument that Bitcoin is a security, and Gary Gensler has specifically said that Bitcoin is a commodity. That the SEC doesn't have jurisdiction over the over the trading uh, of of Bitcoin. And speaking of CBDCs, it's also been reported that China's central bank digital currency is going to have an expiration date or possibly already has an expiration date. And that's a no-brainer. That's one of the things that uh, if you've seen uh, the, the statements from Augustine Carsons from the Bank of International Settlements or the statements in the World Economic Forum bragging about the benefits of a CBDC is that it's programmable, that they can tell you what you can and cannot spend it on. And the idea that Keynesians think that savings is horrible that only spending, that only keeping money in the economy going around in circles is the only way you can have an economy, that savings should be penalized, that it's only natural that, of course, they would have either a negative interest rate or an expiration date on a CBDC. And you can bet that if there's a federal coin, a U.S. CBDC issued, it will have an expiration date as well. So not only will they be able to block you from purchasing nasty things, things they don't want you to own with it, uh, if you don't use it fast enough, it can just go away. Uh, once again, Bitcoin fixes this. Uh, again, this whole episode, it might seem like these are gloom and doom points that I'm making, but everything I'm talking about that might sound bad, uh, Bitcoin fixes. 
Even the price of Bitcoin going down is a positive because you can get more of it. You're not too late. Stack that Bitcoin. Grow that stack as large as you can grow it before the price returns to its new all-time high. Another thing Adam Meister says, that Bitcoin always returns to a new all-time high. And it always does. If you remember that YouTube video from like four or five years ago, it was an old video last uh, last quote-unquote crypto winner where it was, you know, this one time Bitcoin went up to like $200 and then it crashed. And then went up to $1,000 and then it crashed. And then went up to like a $1,500 or whatever and then it crashed. The moral of the story is don't buy Bitcoin because it's going to crash. And it was, it was humorous. It was tongue-in-cheek. Um, but basically Bitcoin has always after its halving cycle set a new all-time high and then it's always had a bear market like we're in right now and then as soon as we have the halving it ramps up to yet another new all-time high and that's coming faster than you might think we're less than two years away from the 2024 halving and usually six to 18 months after that the price of bitcoin has gone to the moon again so if history even rhymes not necessarily repeats but just rhymes you have at most a year to start stacking before we start working our way to that next halving. And then you're going to be kicking yourself for not buying this $18,000 Bitcoin. All right. Maybe this is in the positive news, depending on how you look at it. But NASDAQ has announced that they're going to begin custodying crypto assets for institutional clients, according to Bitcoin Magazine yesterday. And actually, this is says it's attributed to Bitcoin Magazine, but it's quoted at NASDAQ.com. The exchange is set to enter the crowded market of institutional Bitcoin custody as it aims to become a service provider in the cryptocurrency space. The NASDAQ is seeking to offer custody services to institutions dipping their toes into cryptocurrency. The exchange has been a service provider in the market for some time, but the new move makes a fresh foray foray into the sector, and the NASDAQ's new service would bring the company into direct competition with well-established firms such as Coinbase. So, if you were one of those people that think the institutional money isn't there yet and the institutional money needs to come for Bitcoin to hit the moon, uh, and that, of course, if the institutions do try and buy a Bitcoin with a limited, of, a limited issuance of only 21 billion Bitcoin ever, obviously the supply and demand factor kicks in and that would tend to raise prices. So, you know, if uh, the Fortune 500 companies out there all wanted to own some Bitcoin, uh, it's going to get really scarce really fast. So um, NASDAQ legitimizing, quote, I mean, people always say we, we need regulation to, to legitimize, you know, the crypto industry to legitimize Bitcoin so that uh, so these big firms will feel comfortable buying in. Well, if that's your belief, if that's your line of thinking, well, NASDAQ custodying NASDAQ stepping up to the plate and custodying assets uh, for those big players is definitely a step in that direction. And speaking of big players, MicroStrategy, if you remember, last week we, we mentioned that MicroStrategy had filed to issue, uh, to sell additional stock to buy up to, I forget however many, it was something like $500 million uh, worth of stock that they were going to be authorized to issue to purchase additional Bitcoin. Well, yesterday... MicroStrategy reported that they had purchased an additional 301 Bitcoin at an average price of 19,851, bringing their total stash to almost 130,000 Bitcoin. Um, that is a lot of Bitcoin. That is going to make MicroStrategy one of the most powerful companies in the world one day. And if it were any coin other than Bitcoin, that would be really dangerous. Because if it were like, say, Ether, where you where your power comes from how much ETH you hold, because you stake it, and the more you stake, the more say you have, uh, that would be dangerous. But since no Bitcoiner matters than any other 
is more important or has any more say than any other Bitcoiner. Um, their 130,000 Bitcoin doesn't give them any control over the network, but boy, will it give them one hell of a balance sheet. It'd be a heck of a payoff. Along those lines, MarketWatch is reporting that uh, MicroStrategy's former CEO, I guess he, he stepped down as CEO, but he's the founder, he's the, the majority shareholder of MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, says, Bitcoin will bounce back to $65,000 within four years. Uh, and well, duh, um, you know, I, I maybe that's news to the, the average normie watching the financial reports. But as I just said, and as Anna Meister has said, Bitcoin always sets an all, uh, a new all-time high. And four years from now, if you believe in the 210,000 block theory, again, an atomisterism, uh, we'll actually be in another bear market because the cycles are four years long and the new all-time high would be approximately four years after the last all-time high, which was last October-ish. So uh, four years from now is definitely an understatement. We should have definitely surpassed 65,000 well before four years from now. Uh, who knows? I don't have a crystal ball and this is not financial advice, but um, you know, the, even if you don't believe in the four-year cycle theory or if you think this time is different or if you believe in the super cycle theory where we break free of the four-year cycle uh, just because the you know maybe the institutional money comes or hyper-Bitcoinization comes along and therefore just supply and demand runs infinitely out of control, uh, maybe that happens one day, but in the meantime, uh, we are running in these hype cycles and it's just like any other asset or commodity that, that runs in these boom and bust cycles. And ours just happens to be tied to a four year halving where they where have a supply shock because the amount of new Bitcoin that miners have to sell to dump on the market gets dramatically cut in half, uh, all of a sudden when that halving is reached. So, um, you know, that's just pure supply and demand right there. Uh, and it's kind of like the laws of physics, unlike Ethereum, where, you know, Vitalik says that the laws of physics don't apply in his, in his, in his brain, in his world that he's created. Uh, the laws of physics apply everywhere else. And one of those things is um, basically supply and demand. You, you have more people chasing after fewer Bitcoin, the price is going to go up. All right. If you are a a Marty Bent, a Tales from the Crypt or Rabbit Hole recap fan. Marty had an excellent rip yesterday with the chairman of the Libertarian Party, Angela McArdle. Angela McArdle became chairman of the Libertarian Party. I don't know. Is it? It seems like it's. Seems like it was this summer. Maybe it was. Maybe it was this spring. Maybe it's longer, and I'm just forgetting. But the long and the short of it is, she's a Bitcoiner, um, and she is really looking forward to making the Libertarian Party more mainstream. One of the things that has always surprised me, because I've kind of always identified as a libertarian ever since college at least, was that every time I'd talk to somebody, one of my friends about, uh, one of my libertarian friends about Bitcoin, most of them would poo-poo it. I mean, almost all of my libertarian friends were, you know, gold bugs, hoarding gold and silver coins. And I thought, great, that should be an easy orange pill, right? Because they already get the hard money concept. They already get the, you know, the... They should get the money that can be taken away from you because remember when Roosevelt made it illegal to hold gold in the United States and made everyone turn in their gold, I mean, that could happen again, but that cannot happen with Bitcoin. So it just seems to me like Bitcoin should have been a natural fit. And it's been a really, really hard sell uh, with libertarians for whatever reason. I mean, they're big on end the Fed. You know, Ron Paul campaigned on end the, Fed, end the Fed when he ran for president in 2008. 
but the new chair, Angela McArdle, uh, she's a fresh face and she is pro Bitcoin. And that is really cool because, you know, Bitcoin was founded, the technology underlying Bitcoin cryptography before Bitcoin was these cypherpunks were basically libertarians. This is a libertarian investment invention in discovery. Some people would say Satoshi Nakamoto didn't invent Bitcoin. He discovered it. Um, and he didn't even really discover it. He put together, as most great dis inventors, discoverers, philosophers, whatever, they build on the work of those who came before them. And Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, made no uh, qualms about that, no bones about that. He flat out on the white paper, you know, cites Adam Back and others as, as the, the people that made the discoveries that he built Bitcoin on. Uh, but it was built on libertarian principles for libertarian reasons. It was definitely built on an end the Fed, you know, uh, unconfiscatable, uncensorable money principle. And uh, and so, hey, libertarians, read the Bitcoin standard if you're not already orange pilled. You know, if if it you're gonna you're gonna like Bitcoin the more you the more you read into it. I know I got in an argument with one but with one of my libertarian friends who's actually a Monero fan and his big thing is that Bitcoin isn't private. And I was one of those don't let the you know don't let good be the uh, perfect be the enemy of good. Bitcoin can be used in a private, in a more private way. Most people don't because the 80 percenters, the normies are buying and trading it on KYC exchanges, but that's not the point. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're trading, you know, gold, if you're, if you're buying it from a gold broker and, and storing it in their vault, you know, that's, that's no different than, than Bitcoin being held on Coinbase. Um, and even, even that being said, you know, there's second layer solutions like, like, the Lightning Network, which offer a ton more privacy than on-chain Bitcoin does. And just one day, Bitcoin's going to be more private, even by default, because there's a lot of people working really hard on making it private. But above and beyond the privacy issue, Bitcoin is not, it's, you know, it's a separation of money and government. And that was the whole primary uh, argument behind the whole libertarian monetary philosophy. So anyway, it was a great rip. If you haven't heard Marty Bent's interview with Angela McCarlow, go ahead and listen to it. She's really doing good things at the Libertarian Party. After college, I kind of got a little disheartened by the Libertarian Party because it seemed like all they really cared about was pushing marijuana legalization and, and whatever. And it's, it's like, you know, I, I don't care if you want to smoke pot, but you can't build a national platform around like just one issue. You can oppose something on one issue like if you were you know whatever whatever your single issue voter issue is usually that's a, i'm going to vote against somebody because they're against my pet project nobody gets elected on a single issue uh that's you know that's the party of no kind of perspective so uh good job so far angela hopefully uh there's good things to come from the libertarian party and uh, it becoming more mainstream maybe there's a chance of finally having a legit third party in the united states because up until this point in time, voting for a third-party candidate was definitely wasting your vote. Some people would say that your vote doesn't count anyway. If you voted for a third party, it, all you were helping was, uh, you know, someone else get elected. For example, many of you weren't alive or old enough to remember in the 1990s, but Bill Clinton never received, you know, 50% of the vote uh, from the people of the United States. The first time around... He narrowly won election over George H.W. Bush because we had Ross Perot running. And Ross Perot got like 
I don't know, eight or 10% of the vote. And that was enough for, that was enough for Bill Clinton to become president, even though he didn't get a majority of the American vote. And then again, he should have been in the the second re-election. He had a horrible approval rating, not as bad as the current administration we have right now, but he was very, very vulnerable. And he won re-election again because once again, Ross Perot came out of the woodwork and ran for re-election after hiding because his family had been threatened or whatever he said his reason for dropping out was. But either way, my point being, third-party candidates have always just been a siphon away. Um, Third-party candidates were almost a way for the most unpopular candidate to win because he was pulling disgruntled votes, uh, siphoning off the disgruntled voter factor and and, and using that to, to maybe win a, a, an election where they would not have won had there only been two candidates. All right, so where does this leave us all? It leaves us in two places. One, we are still early. And two, remember, Bitcoin is a long-term plan. That 210,000 block theory is still in effect. And above and beyond, Bitcoin fixes this. Everything that we spoke about today, all the bad things that are happening in the world, Bitcoin fixes this. They cannot take away your Bitcoin. Sure, the price is down right now. But the price of everything is down right now in a panic when the dollars and when, you know, like even gold is way down for the year. And I think gold will go back up because, you know, when 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 currencies, fiat currencies around the globe start going under, start cratering, people are going to clamor for hard money. And that hard money five for five thousand years, the gold bugs will tell you that hard money's always been gold. And, you know, to some extent, that's still going to be true. The thing about Bitcoin is it's digital gold. You know, it has all the advantages gold has, but it it doesn't weigh a ton. And, you know, you can, it's just, it's just 12 or 24 words that you can have in your head, as opposed to a wheelbarrow of gold, you need to, you know, not get robbed from you when you're trying to make a purchase. Uh, You know, a one ounce gold coin is worth about $1,650 right now, 1,660 last time I checked. Uh, And if you wanted to buy a cheeseburger, you're either going to have to buy a shitload of cheeseburgers or you're going to have to find somebody that can slice off a tiny bit of that coin, weigh the exact amount. It's just a pain in the butt to use. My point being, gold is cool, but Bitcoin has all the benefits of gold and it's even better. And when people finally start clamoring for sound money, uh, the things that are collapsing right now in price that are, that are, that are riding... That that are riding the that are riding the panic right now. Some of those are going to rebound. Gold and Bitcoin, I do believe, are going to be one of them, especially Bitcoin. All right, why are we here? Well, we're here mainly because it's it's DCA Wednesday, and if you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for Dollar Cost Averaging. And what is Dollar Cost Averaging? You might ask. Well, Dollar Cost Averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 61st stack. We started stacking Bitcoin every Wednesday on Wednesday, uh, July 28th, 2021. So far, we have stacked 60 times. And that stacking has earned us a stack of 3,360,195 sats. You hear all the time on, well, in Twitter spaces or on Reddit or, you know, wherever online, people saying, Am I too late? Did I miss out? Uh, you know, most of the people that made their money in Bitcoin got in when it was only a dollar or when it was $10 or when it was $1,000. And, and now and now it's too late. Well, even if you thought it was too late when Bitcoin was $69,000, well, it's back down to under 20. So uh, even if it just goes back to its all-time high, that's 3x. 
Uh, none of the other investments out there would you expect a 3x. Even if the stock market loses half its value and you scoop in and you buy only blue chips that you know are going to survive and are going to be dominating the industry when the, when the market recovers, what happens? Well, it, it regains back what it lost, maybe sets a new all-time high, but at best you're talking doubling your money. Well, even if Bitcoin only goes back to its all-time high, you're more than tripling your money. And if it if you believe in Bitcoin, if, you, if you're a Bitcoin maxi, even if you're not a Bitcoin maxist, but you believe in the four-year cycle theory, and if you believe in supply and demand, Bitcoin's going to get a heck of a lot more valuable than that. I personally think that, well, as Gigi says, and others people say, you know, Bitcoin will grow by infinity. Uh, when Michael Saylor was asked how long Bitcoin will continue to increase in value, he said, forever, Laura, forever. Um, because there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin ever, and the number of people using and investing in Bitcoin is going to continue to increase. That means the price will continue to appreciate. So um, one day, you know, if Bitcoin hits a million dollars every every uh, every hundred sats is a dollar, if Bitcoin hits $10 million or every 10 sats is a dollar, if Bitcoin hits $100 million, every one sat is worth a dollar, you know, you... you you do your own research and you decide where you think Bitcoin's going to go. But if you believe in Bitcoin, now is the time. Man, they said the best time to buy Bitcoin was when it was a dollar. And the second best time is right freaking now. And along those lines, we're going to stack. So to do so, we are going to open up the Cash App because literally every time we've stacked so far, we've used the Cash App. I didn't set out to be pimping Cash App. Uh, this is Cash App is not a sponsor of this show. It just so happens to be one of the easiest ways to stack Bitcoin. There are plenty of ways to stack Bitcoin. Cash App might not even be available where you're at. Uh, but if it is available and you want to use it, we have, a, we have a referral link in the show notes. Anyone who has a Cash App account has a referral code. Uh, so they are not a sponsor. But if you do want to support the show and you want to get paid for doing so, if you use that link to sign up, you'll get five bucks free just for signing up. And we'll get five bucks as well. And that'll be, uh, you'll be getting paid to tip us. So that'd be cool. So if you want to use Cash App, please consider using that referral code when you sign up if you don't already have it. But again, do your own research, pick the app or the exchange that you feel best suits your needs and get stacking. So we've got the Cash App open. And uh, one of the things I love about Cash App is they don't make me keep any money on Cash App to be able to purchase Bitcoin. I can add money instantly because I have my debit card linked. So all I have to do is add $20. And that is one of the things I like about Cash App. Any other uh, exchange would either make you wait before you're allowed to use your money to purchase Bitcoin, or they would let you purchase it, but they wouldn't let you withdraw it. Uh, I was orange pilling one of my relatives a couple of days ago, and I, I talked them into buying $1,000 of the Bitcoin, showed them how, well, I, all I did is explain Bitcoin, and, and they immediately loved it, and they saw the utility because uh, they're gold bugs. So like I said, it, it should be an easy orange pill, right? Uh, so they purchased their $1,000 and I set them up with a Ledger Nano um, and a Nano S, not the X because they don't trust um, the NFC in the X. But So Ledger Nano S and uh, I was going to show them how to transfer it. We did a test transaction. I sent them $5 of the Bitcoin just to make sure their wallet was set up properly. Um, and then we went to transfer theirs. And you know what? Their exchange said, sorry. You have to let this money sit in the exchange for five business days before you're allowed to move it. So Cash App will not do that. You can take the money that you're 
adding right now that you're purchasing Bitcoin with and immediately send it to your hardware wallet. And you can do it without any mining fees. So that kind of makes up for the fact that they do charge a slightly higher fee than a lot of exchanges do for making your purchase. Anyway, I'm yammering on. We're going to, uh, well, you can't just click the little Bitcoin logo in the corner anymore because it doesn't exist if you've got the updated, if you've updated to the latest version of Cash App. So you got to go into where your money balance is and click to, you got to do, well, you've got, you've got your S coin stocks and you got your Bitcoin. So then you tap on that and then click buy and then enter $20. And it's going to ask you to confirm. And boom, just like that, you've purchased, we have purchased another 105,889 sats. This is going to be the cheapest we've ever purchased Bitcoin by far. Previously, the cheapest we purchased was at 19,245. We just purchased for $18,462.67. That scored us 105,889 sats. And that brings our stack now up to 3,466,084 sats. And perhaps most importantly, again, that's lowering our dollar cost average one more time. It's knocked our dollar cost average, or I'm sorry, our average cost basis down to $35,198.22. That is still underwater, but that's $513.99 lower than it was before we made this purchase. And by riding, by dollar cost averaging all the way down in this bear market, just in September, we've lowered our average cost basis now by $1,490. And the longer Bitcoin stays down or the lower it goes, uh, the, the, the lower we're going to make our, our average cost basis. Uh, you know, we started this DCA journey after Bitcoin had already set a new all-time high in April when it hit, what, 66 or 64,000, whatever the April all-time high was. And then it dipped down. And we started in July, right, as it was ramping back up again. So basically, if you want to say, is it too late or is now the wrong time, we picked an inoppor as inopportune a time as possible to start DCAing. Most investing counselors, strategists, whatever, most, uh, most investment advisors that I've spoken to say that, you know, you want to start dollar cost averaging when you're about halfway down the bear market, if you want to start DCAing. Um, and so we didn't do that. We start, we, we jumped right in because I say the best time is now, parentheses, not financial advice. Um, but nonetheless, we bought all the way up to the new all-time high and we bought all the way back down. And by doing so, we've averaged out our, our average cost basis to $35,198. Now, let me scroll back up here. If we had just dollar, instead of dollar cost averaging, if we had just YOLO'd in, if we had just lump summed back on July 28th, we did our first stack Bitcoin, uh, our, our cost basis for our first Bitcoin purchase was $40,630.59. So uh, we'd be doing worse had we just YOLO'd in back in July than we're doing now. And of course, who cares? That's not why we're doing this. The only thing that should matter is that every day you look at your Bitcoin stack, the number of Satoshis in your stack should have gone up. You should not be paying attention to that dollar value because uh, you should be engaging again, as Adam Meister says, in long-term thinking. You should have a uh, your time. You should not have a short-time preference. You should have a, a long-term preference. This is a long-term play. You should not plan on selling your Bitcoin for a minimum of one full cycle, which is about four years. Uh, 
anybody who's made any real money investing in Bitcoin has been in it for a period of 10 years or so. Um, you should not try and trade Bitcoin or you're going to get wrecked because nobody knows when the bottom is. I saw someone call the bottom last June. Um, I've seen people call the bottom wrong in both directions. For example, last bear market, there's a really great meme out there about when um, people were arguing whether Bitcoin was going to go to how, how low Bitcoin is going to go during the crypto winter. And Bitcoin was in the three in the three thousand dollars something range, like thirty five hundred. And people, some people were saying this is it, this is the bottom. And other people, including Tone Vase, who's a Bitcoin bull, and a lot of people like Toad. I don't have anything against Tone Vase. Tone Vase is saying no, we're going to drop all the way to one. Well, guess what? We didn't. So even Tone Vase, a professional trader, could would did not call the bottom correctly. So uh, that is why, unless you have a crystal ball or unless you really, really know what you're doing. Uh, the smart money is to DCA. And that's what we're doing. So hopefully you are as well. And hopefully you are not planning on getting rich quick and you're not planning on touching your Bitcoin for a minimum of four to 10 years. I am personally never planning on selling my Bitcoin. The whole idea is that like the meme goes, it's the matrix meme where, um, where he says, are you telling me that one day I'll be able to sell my Bitcoin for lots of money or whatever. And he says, no, Neo, I'm trying to tell you that one day you won't have to. Uh, you won't need to sell your Bitcoin because you'll be able to buy things with your Bitcoin, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but that should be way off in the future for all of us. The only thing that should be mattering, the only thing that should matter is that you keep stacking those sets. All right. So what did you think? I'd love to hear from you. One of the ways that uh, you can give us some feedback is you can follow us on Twitter. And on Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod. And please follow us on Twitter because the more followers we have on Twitter, the more people we can help Orange Pill. But most importantly, I want to hear from you. Uh, what did you like about this podcast? What did you not like about this podcast? What do you want me to talk about in the future? If Twitter is not your thing, you can also email me. My email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. That is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. And uh, you can also um, message us, as I mentioned before, if you're listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as, uh, such as Fountain App, you can, send us a, you can send us a message via Boostergram. That is a lightning message, which means that you send it with sats. It could be one sat, it could be a thousand sats, it could be a tip, it could be just a message for a sat, whatever, but it's a, it's a convenient way to, uh, to give us a shout out. Um, and again, uh, you can also message us through our anchor.fm page. As I mentioned, if you heard the ad read at the beginning of the show, uh, this podcast is hosted by anchor.fm. Uh, but the easiest way to get a hold of us is like I said, at by Twitter at, at BTC bulletin pod, or send me an email at Bitcoin bulletin at protonmail.com. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And if nothing else, hopefully you are going to continue stacking those sats and we will see you next Wednesday. So until then, keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.